Testing, that's better, okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, the reading this morning is from Luke chapter 8, 40 to 54, on page 918 to 919. A girl restored and a woman healed. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Just then a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house, because he had an only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, Don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her. But he said, Stop crying, because she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. This is the word of the Lord. Keep that open on page 918. Um, over the weeks, we have, we're going through a series called People Jesus Met. People Jesus Met. Last week, we had a Pharisee seeking an audience with Jesus. The week previous to that, we had a centurion coming to Jesus to ask to be healed, or rather to ask his servant to be healed. And the week before that, we had a leper come to Jesus and say, if you are willing, uh, heal me. Perhaps instead of our series, People Jesus Met, we should, our series should probably be something like people coming to Jesus, people seeking Jesus, people um, desperately in need for Jesus and his touch, and in particular, this week is no different. We have two people in our story with two, two separate stations in life with two different problems, but both of them are coming to Jesus in desperate need. Both of them are coming to Jesus um, wanting something. Look at verse 41. The first one is Jairus, a synagogue ruler, a significant person in the community. 
um, someone who has connections, someone who is, as I said, important. Uh, I know today, perhaps religious leaders, they might, we mightn't see them as that important or something. But it's some, like, kind of like a doctor, maybe we'd see a doctor today or someone like that. They're, 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 he's an important person, a high-status person. He is coming to Jesus desperate. And at the other end, we have this woman, who we'll talk about later, and she has been bleeding for 12 years, which means in that society, she's been an outcast. She is at the other end. She is not known at all. And so you see, we have these people from different ends of the scale socially in some sense. We have this insider and an outsider. But the thing is, both of them are coming to God or coming to Jesus. Both of them are in need. And it's the reality, isn't it? With all his wealth, the synagogue ruler, his community connections, uh, with where he is in life, it doesn't really matter about us, our station in life, wherever we are on that continuum, spectrum, wherever we are, up here or down here, all of us face this reality, yet Jairus does and the bleeding woman does, we all face the reality of powerlessness in the face of, of life and death and the fragility of life and that we can take a breath every day, that we have life in us. And this picture, this story is really, I suppose, trying to show us, reflecting to us how we are all in need before God. And how we all desperately need him. And we might call out to him in different times in life. There are times when we'll call out to God and we'll say, oh God, what's going on? What are you doing in my life? And some of us, we mightn't even call out in life. We mightn't call to God, but we might, out of frustration, you know, even if we don't believe in God, we call out, what, what is happening? Um, I was watching a TV show the other day and one of the characters in the show, not necessarily God-centred or anything like that, but they called out, they were kind of so frustrated about what was happening in life, acknowledging God or trying to connect with God. And when we're honest with ourselves, we might come to God and ask, what do we, well, what do I need from God? And we might even ask, what can we expect from God? Here, Jairus Comes to, God, comes to Jesus, verse 42, he falls down. Notice the word there in verse 42, he pleads with Jesus. And you can imagine the urgency of him uh, coming to Jesus, his desperation. This is maybe his last ditch attempt, his daughter is dying. Um, so what happens? Jesus recognises the urgency of the situation. He heads off to the ruler's house and they're all going to the ruler's house. Uh, and in verse 42, do you notice there, it says, the crowds are crashing in on Jesus. By this stage in the Gospel, Luke 8, the recognition is dawning day by day on people in the communities and the cities that Jesus is the one who is the deliverer. He is, well, he's, he's healing people, he's doing some amazing things and there are innumerable people coming from everywhere wanting something from Jesus. You can imagine all the different requests, the desperation and all the people in need. And again, the question for us, when we get desperate, what do we want from God? Or what even, how do we even expect God should answer us 
in our life situations. And so they're rushing to Jairus' home. The crowds are, pre- are pressing in. There are many, many people, all the various requests. And if you're trying to sort all this out, what would you do? Uh, and they're, as they're rushing to Jesus' house, uh, Jairus' house, Jesus says, stop. Turning around, who touched me? <laughs> And then it goes on, doesn't the story goes on for a few verses, it's actually quite drawn out, deliberately. Who touched me? Uh, well, what do, you, what do you think? The disciples say, well, everyone's around you, like, and you're saying, who touched me? And then it goes on, and then <laughs> Jesus stops the whole uh, entourage, the whole, I suppose, ambulance, there's no ambulance, but, you know, he, they're, they're all getting there, and Jesus says, who touched me? And after all this back and forth, we have this woman who's had this chronic situation that's been going on for 12 years, she kind of, kind of pipes up out of the crowd, you know, it was me. Now, <laughs> with this story, it's no different than today. We, we can see what's important here, can't we? And everybody can see what's the more important case kind of like triage, right? If you, if you go to the emergency room, if you've been there lately, if any of you have been there, you know if you come there and you need some stitches, you've got a cut, you've, I don't know, um, done something and you need stitches, you're going to be sitting there for a long time. <laughs> you know? And if someone comes in and they've got you know, half their body hanging off, who's going to get first? What's going to happen? Jesus, what Jesus is doing here is totally irrational. And in fact, like the disciples and the crowd, I mean, you might say it's malpractice. I mean, you wouldn't use that term, right? But that's, what, that's what's happening here. Can you imagine Jairus's, Jairus's roller coaster? He started off with his daughter... And he's in desperate need and he comes to Jesus and Jesus says yes and imagine the, the ray of light and he's feeling and now he's and they're rushing off to the house and now Jairus is there again and you can imagine him just imagine how he's feeling right now as Jesus is back and forth and look at what Jesus says in verse 48 I've read this several times but I didn't notice this until today he says daughter this is to the to the bleeding woman daughter your faith has healed you what about we're supposed to think what about the other daughter And then look at what Jesus says to Jairus. Imagine what he's going through. And he says to Jairus, look at verse 50. He says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Trust me. This is after what he'd worried about and been concerned about had happened. Someone had come and they'd said, your daughter's dead. Forget about it. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Notice it says their teacher. But Jesus looks at Jairus and says... Ah, Jairus, don't worry, I've got this. Whoa, what is he asking of him? The big point, really, this morning, the major thing is in this story, I think, is that Jesus, Jesus is not going to be hurried. And you know what that means? Is that God's plans and his timing for our life and his grace 
It never quite fits in (laughs) with our timing. You know, what we think should happen and what God says, it kind of just doesn't gel and it rarely fits in. Jesus' grace and his mercy and God's mercy, it never is in sync. He never answers us the way that we expect he's going to answer us. Because we all have a sense of timing, don't we? We all think God should do, he should do this now. This is what's going on in my life. This is what I need. I've come to Jesus. I have this need. This is where I need to go with it. But we all have different sense of timing, don't we? Timing is, timing is relative. Uh, different cultures have different senses of timing. Uh, you can tell this if you interact with different cultures. Uh, timing's all very relative. Just this week, um, my Kathy and Archer has a friend at school, an Egyptian friend that he's met, and they went over to the house this week, and Kathy went off as well to take him there, and they talked about having lunch, and they got there, and I was doing some other things. I came home, and Kathy and Archer turned up at home about five hours later. They went over there. It was great. It was wonderful. And they had some lunch with them and it, they came back five hours later because their sense of lunch was at a different time and, and it went on for a lot longer than... And Kathy came home and they didn't have dinner because they were so... It was wonderful. But timing's all different, isn't it? Uh, I've married couples before from different cultures and one of them has a particular timing and they, they expected to turn up, the bride expected, and the other one has timing and it's about, you know, maybe an hour later or something... Uh, it kind of, that's just how it works though. But what about with God and his sense of timing? If timing is all relative, what this story is saying is Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be hurried. God's not going to be hurried. If we insist on imposing our objectively, what we think is a universal right of timing on God, if you think God, you, you'll never be loved by Jesus. You'll think he doesn't care. You'll think God's too distant. He's not answering me. But the story is showing us God's grace and his love is not incompatible with these delays in our lives, with unconscionable delays, things that we think are out of control or just shouldn't happen. Why? Because look at this story. So I'll finish with this. Jesus is not going to be hurried, but just a little lesson for us. Look at what he does in this story with these characters through this delay. What is God trying to teach us in our delays? Have a look at the two characters. Look at Jairus. Jairus comes to Jesus and he wants healing from the fever. And what does Jesus give him in the end? He gives him a resurrection. He comes to Jesus and he thinks he has to trust Jesus to hope that his daughter will be healed of fever. But then Jesus looks at him and says, I want more from you. You have to trust me for life and death. And what about the woman? What does she want? Verse 44. Have a look at verse 44. Look at what the woman wants. What does she do? What does it say in verse 44? I think I've got the right one. Does it say about her what she does? She, yeah, she comes up to Jesus and she just touches him. She, what does she want from Jesus? She just wants the touch and run. Yeah, quick, let's get out, get out of there. I get my healing. I, I've got what I wanted. I'm out of there. 
You know, Jesus, I've come to you today and this is what I want in my life. I've got what I want from God. Right, I'm out of there. <laughs> what does Jesus, Jesus won't have it though, right? He, what does he say? He says, who touched me? What's going on? And then he goes public and then he says, and what, is she, what happens eventually? Look at verse 47. She comes forward and look what it says there. She's trembling. Why is she so frightened and scared? She's, in, in this culture thousands of years ago, she's bleeding, she's unclean, she's outcast, an outcast. And Jesus is saying, you can't keep it secret. You're going to have to come in front of everybody. And the shame of her touching a rabbi or touching a hem of a rabbi, and she wants, she wants to get a healing. I'm done with God. Get in, get out of there. But Jesus wants more from her. You must testify about my goodness. Jesus wants her to go public. You see what's happening in these stories with the delays? Jesus wants so much more from Jairus and from the woman. He wants Jairus to trust him for greater trust. He also wants the woman to come public. But, even, but more, not just do what he wants from them, he gives them more. He gives them more. Jesus gives them more than they ever wanted as well, you see? The healing of resurrection. Uh, Jesus wants to make them into people who don't just want the healing but are disciples and followers of Jesus see the woman had this superstitious idea of God you know if I could just touch if I can just touch Jesus I'll be healed that's fine Jesus Jesus doesn't want that he wants her to be someone who trusts him through life through ups and downs someone who loves Jesus who knows him who follows him if she just gets the healing gets out of there she'll probably just forget about Jesus and not care about him at all but Jesus wants her to be devoted to him, to know him, to love him. What if God, in his delays for us, is trying to, trying to grow in us more faith and trust in him? See, what if some of the things in our lives, we can't see the whole picture? What if God can see how it all's wor- it all's going to work out. And what if he's got plans that he wants to bring about more faith and trust for you in his life, but also faith and trust of other people in Jesus? If Jesus had gone and healed this girl straight away, or this sick girl, there would never have been this life-transforming disciple, this woman, the faith. The only way we can be mad at God, angry at God, is if we think we know all of the facts and all of the things of how things are going to work out. But but this story is showing us that God knows what he's doing. He has all the crucial factors and he's saying, trust me. Have a look at verse 46 and 47. Because as we finish, notice Jesus says, he notices that the power had gone out of him. Notice he says that when she touches the cloak, he says, the power has gone out of me. Now, Jesus is getting weaker here. What is that all about? Like Jesus didn't lose power in the previous... Previously in the chapter, if you have a look at the titles, what are the titles in chapter 8? I think it's something about a storm. And What are the titles just before this? And something about demons. 
Yeah, demons driven out by Jesus. What's the one before that? Yeah. Um, and there's also the storm there, or is that the one? Yeah, the storm. Now, when Jesus does this throughout the Gospels, he calms the storm with a word. Does he, does he lose any power? No. Does he have any incantations or amazing magical things? No, he just calms the storm. What does he do with the demons? He just drives the demons out with a word. What does he do with all the other healings that we see in the Gospels? He just says it and it happens. Is there any loss of power? No, it never, never happens. And there's this, this is the, remember, this is the woman, the woman who's had the chronic situation, bleeding for several years. Oh, I'm not saying it's not bad, it is bad, but this is just a, this is almost a small thing. It comes up to an end, Jesus says, I've lost power, power's gone out of me. What's going on here? Why is this so taxing on Jesus? I think the clue's at the end of the story. There's a, there's a reason why this story of the woman is in between this story of the girl. Because have a look at the end of the story. Remember, Jesus said, you have to have great faith. They get to Jairus' house and there's all of this wailing and crying. And Jesus says simply, look, this girl, she's asleep. And they all laugh at him. They know what dead, dead people look like. They've, they've experienced this before. But look at what happens next. Verse 54, Jesus takes her by the hand and as we heard in the child's story, he just says, honey, he says, child, get up. And it's like saying, come on, you're asleep, just, just, I want you just to get up now. In the Mark version, the word Talitha Kum, it's like little girl, honey, it's time. Look at this contrast between Jesus saying, the power's gone out of me, and then at the end of the story, I'm just going to pull you through death itself, and it's time for you to get up. Honey, you've been napping. Wake up. Can you see the power of Jesus? And his complete control over all of the situation. Can you see how now he knows all of the things that's going on and he knows what is good? Elijah, in the Old Testament, raises the son of a widow from the dead and he stretches her out, he breathes on her, he has to do all of these incantations, he has to do all of this other stuff and Jesus just comes and takes her by the hand and says, come on, it's time you get up. He's facing here. Jesus is facing something greater than a storm or a hurricane, greater than demons, and, and he's facing death itself, and he just says, wake up. And you know, of course, that this is all pointing toward the moment when he will become weak, when he will be drained totally of his power. He will go to the cross, and he will die, and through his weakness... We will become strong. He will be drained of all his power. He was crucified. He loses the hand of the Father so that we can become strong, so that we can know God's hand, that we can have his hand. He can call us children. The Father holds us by his hand. And so Jesus dies for the bleeding woman. He dies for... Um, the little girl, he dies for the crowd, you know, all the people pressing in on him. But more importantly, Jesus is showing death itself will not break the bond. 
of you knowing God as your father. And so that's why when he says to Jairus, when he says to the woman, he looks at him, he says, trust me. He's kind of looking over his shoulder at all of us and saying, trust me. You can trust me. Through life's ups and downs, through when it feels like I'm there and I'm answering when I'm not there and things aren't going, you can trust me. Because I'll finish with this question. I mean, Jesus holds her by the hand and I suppose the Father holds you by the hand. Why? Why would you want to hurry up someone like that? Someone who knows what they're doing, who is good and who you can trust. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your guidance this week. I suppose I recognise also, Father, there are there will be some of us here that there are things that we go through that are just so um, difficult. It's hard for us to hear. Uh, and maybe if I, we sat down and listened to all of that, we would where are you Lord and yet help us to give over to you our life this week help us to see your sovereignty and your goodness and just help us again to take tomorrow and today one step and just to trust you in your goodness and in your greatness and in Jesus, we pray.